Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. Elwood City Limits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Hello! 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 Sorry, there's an echo in here. And also, the new episode of Elwood City Limits is in here as well. Looks like you found two things today. Hello, weary traveler. My name is Will Young. I appreciate you joining me today for another episode of the the episodic Arthur podcast. It is where we break down the classic PBS children's series Arthur cartoon series, because as we're learning, there are some things that adults can take away from Arthur as well. And we all become better people along the way. And credits. And with me today is my co-host, valiant as ever, Lucas Mancini. December is here, Will. I can hear the jingle bells. The countdown to Kwanzaa has begun. Hanukkah's on the horizon. And Christmas is just around the corner. Yes, and we are just weeks away from Christmas. Too bad that uh, I don't believe we'll be having an Arthur episode coinciding with Christmas unless we really wanted to jump the gun. But, uh, eh. I, I, I'm I'm not in, not into that so much. But we have a uh, a video game Arthur episode to coincide with the the Game Awards. That's true. Uh, Ar- Arthur got in just in time for Game of the Year season. And the Video Game Awards, and of course, if you listen to our previous episode, in which I would recommend that you do, if you haven't, you would know that we had a blast talking about dial up gaming. <laughs> and so, how do you think we're going to do when we get to Arthur the Wrecker? which video games feature in prominently, along with its sister episode, Arthur and the True Francine. Now, if you want to follow along with us, I would recommend that you do so. That's the best way to get the most out of our podcast. It's still pretty funny, but uh, I recommend that you watch these episodes. You can find them by Googling them. You're a smart person. It's 2016, nearly 2017. I'm sure you can find it in any way that you see fit. Bing works, too. Sure, if you're in The Amazing Spider-Man. That was always one thing that – that was the funniest thing that I ever heard someone uh, like in a review about it. It may have been a cracked article even, but it was – that I've since adopted as my own, you know, original character, Do Not Steal, uh, was that the most unbelievable thing in The Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> a movie about a lizard man, was that Spider-Man used Bing. <laughs> more of an ass I'm more of an ask Jeeves man myself. have you used ask Jeeves no, in it predates me by like 10 years are you have you ever used ask Jeeves? I have no I barely know what asks ask Jeeves is so ask Jeeves is you would it's the search for it's the search bar where you would input your search queries in the form of a question and so that's why it was ask Jeeves and there was like a cartoon Butler kind of guy like I used this in elementary school when we were just learning about the internet and so there was like web crawler. This is when we were using Netscape Navigator. Okay. Sun. So I do know I do know about Netscape Navigator. You know the little N at the at the top of the corner, and when it was stopped doing things, that's when the page it's was best loaded. way to find my dope GeoCities page. My Angel Fire. Yeah, my my, my Angel Fire <laughs> Dragon Ball Z fan site. My this the Space Jam website, which is still up. Yeah. That's how I found out about Digimon Season 2. Oh, man. Those hot Digimon oh, Season 2 man, spoilers. Man, I was so hype. 
Well, that's a different podcast, unfortunately. Maybe we'll get to the Digicast some other time. I believe we've been beaten to that. So uh, I don't don't want to blow up our spot or anything, but there is a Digimon podcast episodically going on. So, and I, I would be surprised if we hadn't been. We're, we've cornered the Arthur market, and it's here that we will stay, although we may branch out someday. We'll have to see. Anyway, all that aside, today's episodes, Arthur the Wrecker and Arthur and the True Francine. So let's get it started. Arthur the Wrecker begins with Arthur, once again, Ferris Buellering to the camera, and talking about kids throughout history doing important things. He's wielding a bat like he's one of the baseball furies from the mm, Warriors I like ready that. to strike. I like that reference. I saw that movie this year. <laughs> and you know what? There's, I'm going to use that reference twice this episode. Okay. So continue on. Uh, so we get Arthur in various historical situations, such as him as a young King Tut, uh, breaking, a, breaking the nose of the Sphinx. Uh, with a softball. Arthur in a Greek situation where he is Arthurius and uh, accidentally busting the statue of Venus, which we see. uh, So the statue of Venus famously has no arms, and they are positing that it's it's that way because Arthur accidentally threw a metal disc severing the arms that were holding a Grecian-era DW. The weirdest part about this is that the whole thing is that, like, Mr. Arthur's dad's trying to sell it to Mr. Haney, and Mr. Haney is not into this statue when DW's in the arms. But the second DW's gone, he's all about it, yep. which is a little strange. And interesting that Arthur's dad, Fotherius, was so t- like DW seems to have been his muse. Like he couldn't have made this normal human, by the way, uh, without oh, I didn't without, without putting, it didn't even have little ears. Nope, no. nope. It's a classic statue without putting his daughter in there. Arthur's dad, instead of a cook, as a uh, as a sculptor. And then finally, in colonial days, Arthur runs into the Liberty Bell head first, and that's why it cracks. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't confirm or deny this. My take, my, uh, take on American history is uh, rather limited. Although I remember that show Liberty's Kids on PBS. Oh, that was so good. Everything I know about American history, I know from Liberty's Kids and Hamilton. So <laughs> I I learned it in social studies. Although I uh well, hoping to listen to Hamilton soon. I have not done so yet. It's very good. I'm to understand it is. So this is all to lead up to the fact that Arthur accidentally broke a window and is trying to justify it by saying that someday it could the broken window could be a piece of history because he was the one to break it and just kind of flimsy getting into the idea that Arthur breaks things, you know, like I guess any kid has the potential to do. Our first scene after the cold open is DW on roller skates with mom and Kate walking home. Uh, it like roller skates. We're not talking blades yet. I mean, blades came into fashion, I believe, in the 90s, maybe the 80s. I don't know. I never rollerbladed because my sense of balance is really bad. And also I'm fat. And uh, <laughs> so DW's on those four-wheel roller skates and just kind of skating around and asks her mother to play kitchen with her, which involves... Her mother baking cookies and then DW eating them. I played kitchen with myself over the weekend. Ooh, made what, some cookies. Did you did? Yeah. What kind of cookies did you make? Well, okay. See that now it's going to sound less impressive because you asked me to go into detail. Originally, I was like, you know what? I'm bored on my weekend. I want to do something fun. I'm going to make some like ch- cookies from scratch. Look up a good recipe. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend, and my little sister, were like, Mm-mm. we're going to start you off with training wheels. We're going to work your way up to that. So I made some Pillsbury cookies, put them on the pan. 
next week I'm going to try with like the powder that you just have to add egg to. Okay. That'll be my my goal next week, and then eventually we'll work our way up to scratch. But right now it's just. Did you ever do that in? Uh, did you ever have family studies? Uh, no, I opted not to take family studies. Oh, boo! Family studies is. Uh... Is that Good. the one where you have the mechanical baby that you have to take care of? Sometimes. Mine was just kind of like half of it was sewing and half of it was cooking. Okay. So uh, that's how I learned. You know, I made cookies and pretzels and stuff like that. So I imagine if you didn't do that at a point in your life, then it would probably be look look to be quite difficult making cookies. And, hey, I haven't made my own, so who am I to say? Uh, but Pillsbury cookies, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. The plot of this episode comes by when Arthur runs in and he's got himself a computer game in box and ready to go. And at this point I was like, oh, yes, more computer games. I was so excited. So Arthur is all about this new game called Deep Dark Sea. He asks his mom if he can play it on the computer, but unfortunately she has to work on the computer. It's tax season. So this is kind of the the most straightforward explanation I think we get of Arthur's mom. She's some kind of accountant or tax person. Like you, I knew immediately off the jump I was going to be all about this episode because it it brought back a flood of memories of, yeah. like, everybody had to share the same family computer. And so dad mm-hmm. and mom are doing business. But I just want to play that Star Wars Battlefront 1. Oh. Get, hop, hop on Tatooine. Put in some work, you know what I'm saying? Mom and dad just don't understand. You know, it's something that I often forget, but, like, you know, I, I'm a big fan of video games these days. And I started off... With a PC. There, I would play video games at my uncle's place, and I had computer games at my place too, but I also had the same type of restrictions. Also, usually the PC I was playing on was below the requirements for yeah. what we had. So, like, I, I remember playing Disney's A Bug's Life, okay. the, the computer game, and, like, it ran, like, it <laughs> chugged. But I was so into it that I, like... I was able to play it as a kid and not even care. It's weird what you'll have the patience for as a kid. I remember Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games came in a cereal box. Yeah, it came in a cereal box. It came in a cereal box. I had that too. And thinking back upon it, I spent hundreds, hundreds of hours. Playing that game where you have to make Pumbaa burp? All of them. The one where you make Pumbaa burp. The the, the, the Frogger clone where you have to get Timon across the river? That's right. Piece de resistance of Timon and Pumbaa Jungle Games. I don't know. Those are pretty good. The, the pinball one. Oh, yeah. yeah that was yeah, the yeah. best one of the bunch. Uh, but I would spend hours playing that awful free cereal box game. Uh, and now looking hey, back on it, it's like th- it's like three mini games. Don't knock, don't knock those games, man. I mean, there was Monopoly Junior. There was Clue. Yeah. Pajama Roller- Sam. Roller Coaster Tycoon. Pajama Paj- Sam Pajama, 3. Pajama Sam I played uh, the demo of incessantly at Chapters, and I cried when my parents wouldn't get it for me. It's funny now. No look, need to hide when it's I, dark outside. Now you can buy it on I on could Steam. buy it on Steam. And I'll tell you what, once as an adult, like as a kid, it took me months to beat those games. Like I, I played a bunch of Pajama Sam and it like Filbert Fr- Fish or whatever the Freddy Freddy, Freddy, Fish? Freddy Fish Freddy Fish and there was a car one. Like I used to play the that Spy, was, Spy Fox and that, that oh, was, oh, 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 what's the car's name? But, like, that whole series of, like, kids point and click adventures, that was my jam back in the day. Me and my little sister would play those. Putt-putt. Now being an adult, the logic of those is, like, a lot more easy to suss out. Yes. And so you could beat one of those games in, like, two and a half hours. In an afternoon. speed run of Pajama Sam 2, the one where he goes to the food world. Oh, oh, uh, Thunder and Lightning ain't so frightening. Oh, Wait. So, cause so first, maybe three is the one oh, where it goes okay. to the food world. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, the, the second one and then the first one was no need to hide when it's dark outside. Right. 
Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, the third one's definitely the one where he goes to the food world. Right, he goes right. to food prison, and the, the, the food guard tells him to tell it to the fudge. <laughs> and he's in food prison. <laughs> Jokes. I like that one, actually. PC gaming was a big part of my childhood and uh, my big part of my experience with video games. So this really... Uh, spoke to me on a nostalgic level. Uh, and, of course, Arthur's mom says, you can't play video games until you finish your dinner. And I love, like, it's just a quick shot of Arthur just hoeing into his dinner. And I love the background music. Does these banjo licks up. Just like the speed banjo of him. It's like uh, speeding up the music in Super Mario World or something. <laughs> or you just play the... And, uh, yeah, so then Arthur gets to play Deep Dark Sea, which we find is a mouse-controlled platformer because I don't see him using the keyboard very much. It looks like it looks like um, those 2D adventure games like uh, – I don't know if you've played Out of This World or, no. uh, or Flash – Flashback? Out of This World or Flashback? No. They were sort of the, like, shadow complex of their times. They're these early, like – these 90s computer games. Shadow Complex, um, now you're speaking my language. Well, okay, so like Out of This World, it's like the original Shadow Complex because no. it's like this 90s computer game where like it's like the exact same uh, perspective of Deep Dark Sea where it's like a 2D guy and he sort of has this really um, – the movement is very methodical. Yeah. Like the jump is really slow. It's not about like platforming challenges as much as it is oh, about is that around. Like the, is that it's like, like those old Prince of Persia games before they yeah, were 3D. Yeah, okay. So, uh, so for me, it was I compared it to games like Commander Keen or Duke, yes. or Duke Nukem Two, which were like just side scrolling shoot 'em ups, basically. The, was, the guy even kind of looks like Commander Keen, a little bit. Yeah, but there is a bit more exploration to this game, so I think it's maybe a, a marriage of the two that obviously didn't exist around that time. Very early '90s, though. Yeah, like, very. All like, these games kind of came out around the same time. Very, very, very simplistic, and but I thought it kind of nailed nailed the way that those looked. It didn't look like a totally unbelievable. Video game, yeah, which a lot cartoon. of like a lot of times media misses out on that, right? Yeah. And we've all seen numerous like CSI episodes where someone's playing some CGI mess and they're kind of just like tapping every button on the yeah. controller, moving their shoulders from side to side, and you're like, that's not what video games look like. No, but this I remember even as a kid, I remembered this episode because I was so into video games even as a kid. This episode stuck out for me, and I remember thinking like, man, I wish Deep Dark Sea was real. That looks fun. Yeah, it does. Arthur's telling DW about you know how what kind of the game's all about. And that he has to find like the sunken treasure, and he gets. We get to one of those urban legends passed around the playground. Of Arthur says that a kid uh, apparently got to the end and found the treasure, but he had to swear in blood never to tell what he found. And he sort of hears it like quadruple hand, like it was like, oh, I know a guy who knew a guy who was like this kid's Bust, cousin. Yeah, Buster's cousin or something. Uh, it, it, it's a very my uncle works at Nintendo yeah, moment. Absolutely, but, but very charming, and you definitely heard about that. Of just like it's like oh, the nude code for Lara Croft and Tomb Raider, <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Arthur dies and chases DW away, and then we cut to later that night, Arthur's bedtime. And Arthur is do- in the middle of his extra life marathon. <laughs> he has just got the bags under his eyes. He's on hour 18 and still plugging away at Deep Dark Sea. Arthur's dad's such a noob. He goes, wouldn't you rather play when you're more awake? Whatever, Arthur's dad. Or you don't have to play 100 games in one night. You don't even know what, you don't even know what it is. It's lives, not games, dad. He's trying to, he's trying to get that... that- Games in a row XP bonus. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but I thought mom had some good logic here of what if you make a mistake because you're tired, which is 
Totally true. If you're at something for long enough, you're going to make a mistake. You got to sleep. And of course, they're very lenient on the fact that because my parents would just be like, turn the game off. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah. your bedtime. Go to bed. Well, I mean, I think I, I see myself in this episode so much because I was a kid who had like an hour of computer time a day. And once your hour of computer time is up, there's no more computer. And so later on in this episode, there's a moment where the computers sort of relinquish from Arthur and Buster, and they're sort of bored out of their minds looking for something <laughs> to do. And that was me for much of my childhood. It's like, what? go play outside. Go play outside and do what? Yeah. I'll play Star Wars Battlefront 1, my man. It's it's almost impossible for like to contend with a child's attention once they've had video games because like – how can you do better than that with reality? <laughs> Unless you use your imagination. And some kids aren't about imagination. So it's tough. Like I said, there's like I love the save screen of like Arthur saving the game. Like, I'll, I'll be, be awaiting, awaiting your return, return to your, your mission, mission in the, in deep, the deep, dark, dark sea. sea. Yeah, that's so like – so like there's that specific era of 90s computer games where like when you had CDs for the first time, people would try and put like – audio and FMV graphics that weren't in before. That whole, the line read on that, it's so time and place. Like, it actually is a real, looking back on it now, it's a really interesting time capsule because they nailed the vibe of it's, an early 90s computer yeah, game. Because, like, like, that voice, it's like it's so, like, missed. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'll it, be back in the deep, dark sea. That it, that early. It's just stilted enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like we're still figuring out voice acting in video games, but it's not like, you know. Uh, like ASCII, ASCII speak that doesn't even exist. Uh, like Microsoft Fred or something. But it, but it is like something out of an early '90s computer game, like those early like Mist mm. or or, or uh, Sewer Shark. But that's like a, a <laughs> but that sort of thing where it's like a, a hundred pounds of tube steak. <laughs> a, a, a full motion video of a guy being like, "Be right back." It's not quite the days of when video games used to talk to you and they sounded like Altered Beast and the guy's like, rise from your grave. Sinistar would show up and be like, run, run, run. Sinistar. Coward. Scary stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Still scared of Sinistar. I am Sinistar. I hunger. Uh, Or like um, in the first Fallout game when it's just like they're they're like static head and they're kind of talking yeah and it's like the although the voice acting fallout's probably better than deep dark sea but i don't know uh so arthur has to pry his hand off of the mouse to go to bed and he's still thinking about it in his dreams it's really gross because it like sticks to it yeah it's really weird <laughs> i don't know if his hands cramped around it or if it's just like arthur's just secreting so much just sweating sweat so much, yeah. yeah and then the next day he's like doing the mouse controls on his on his pancakes <laughs> And getting his hand all syrupy. Arthur is waiting for Buster, who is excited to see Arthur play this game, which is totally, well, I mean, it still happens today, but it's just like totally a a little kid thing of just like, oh, yeah, let's go play that game. I remember I used to go over to a bunch of my friends' houses and pretty much just dominate the computer, play all of their games. Yeah. What did you have to go to? What was your favorite game a friend of yours had, but you Well, I had a few friends. Like one of my friends had a PS1. Okay, and they had like a PS One and an, and an original NES, so we'd play like, or I'd play really, uh, like his demo discs. So like demos of like Tekken Three and Spyro the Dragon. Is that the one with siphon filter? May the, have been. I, 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 I had a babysitter who had a PS One, and I would play 
Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped. Yeah. Uh, and I would also play their demo disc that had, like, Spyro the Dragon and the first level of Siphon Filter where you can tase people, and if you hold down the tase button, they yeah. catch on fire. Oh, and, oh my and, and in Siphon Filter, when you run, that dude swings his hips, like, all the way side to side. The run in Siphon Filter is my favorite run in any video game of all yeah, it's, time. It's like if, you've, if like, you've ever seen that clip on YouTube of Stephen Colbert on Whose Line Is It Anyway, and they're imitating skiing, it kind of looks like that. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then my other friend's places, it was, like, computer games. So, uh... Uh, and my friend Jeff's place, he had a game called Magic Carpet, that was like a joystick yeah, game. Yeah, that's that's um. It was really weird. Like the graphics early, were very it's a, primitive. It's an Ill, early Will Wright game because it's okay. all, and it's almost like an. I, I think it's Will Wright. It's like some esteemed developer. You know what? It might be. Um, who's that guy? Who's like your dog? Uh, the British guy. Uh, Grant, uh, Grant Fable. The Fable. Oh, oh, Peter Molyneux. I think it might actually be an early Peter Molyneux game. I'm getting uh, it all okay. mixed up. But it, and, it's like an adventure game. It's and, very strange. And he also had Rebel Assault 2, The Hidden Empire, which was a joystick. Like, it was kind of an FMV shooter kind of thing. And, oh, okay. Um, and then, so, by the way, Jeff, if you're listening, hey, buddy, and thanks for letting me play computer games at your place. I'm uh, glad we're still friends. And then my friend uh, Jocelyn's place, she had, like, a bunch of Star Wars games. So, like, Star Wars Starfighter, um, Battle for Naboo. Uh, there was, like, a Hot Wheels racing game. <laughs> Battle for Naboo is was pretty good, as I remember it. Starfighter, even better. I I remember both those games being uh, not so good, but uh, I well, digress. A spe- it, a sp- Especially Battle for Naboo. I haven't I haven't played them in a long time, so I can't <laughs> confirm or deny. Fair enough. All right, getting getting back to the episode, but man, I love loving these diversions. Hopefully, you are too. So Arthur and Buster can't play because Mom has to work on the computer today uh, because it's tax season and she doesn't get a day off. So we cut to them outside, and they're ex- doing exactly what you mentioned before. They're just kind of sitting there, like now there's nothing to do, and which is completely ludicrous because every single episode is based around the fact that they're doing something that isn't a computer game. That's but true. of course, once you take away the computer game and that's what they want to do, it's like there is nothing to do. So <laughs> I completely understood that. I've definitely been in that situation before. My favorite is just like Arthur's dad says, "Why well, don't we go to the park?" Uh, and Arthur's like, "That sounds fun." And Buster just falls like, "Yeah, fun." Yeah, their their read on that line is really good. Yeah, <laughs> Arthur's mom has to run to the office, asks them not to play on the computer, but Buster he didn't come here for nothing. He's getting <laughs> his deep dark sea, or he's getting something else. And Buster is again the real devil's advocate here. He's not hype. He's not Arthur's. Uh, ill-timed hype man. He's just the devil's advocate. Just like, couldn't you show it to me for one second? And I've and I'm sure I've been that kid before. In in just like I came here for video games. Yeah, you better you. get me video games uh, for sure. I've totally like you go to a friend's house and you're not like that cool with the friend. You don't really like yes. him that much. Yeah. But yo, this dude's got a Turbo Graphics 16. What? <laughs> We play a box adventure up in here. Of course, they do get to playing it, and DW is kind of watching them as well. And the point where Arthur saved the game uh, is she not so she she threatens to snitch like yeah. flat out. DW is like, "Oh, you guys are not supposed to be on the computer." But eventually, she calms down when she uh, offers not to keep in exchange for her silence. She gets to watch. But you see, as a racist would say, this is where the power lies. DW knows she has the power in her hands to completely 
turn them upside down. So she's using it to her advantage. Mm. The point where Arthur saved is right before the treasure chest, which might be the thing. They keep calling it the thing because they don't know what it is at the end of the game. And what happens next, and really the entire conflict of the episode, once again, is 100% Buster's fault. This is absolutely his fault. So what happens is Arthur is... (laughs) Well, it, and, it, and it really, it doesn't make any sense, and I ca- couldn't help but laugh at the absurdity of it all, because, you know, Arthur's eyes widen, Arthur and Buster are just, like, so excited to see what the thing is. All of a sudden, Buster grabs the mouse, and they start fighting over it <laughs> to see who could be the one to claim this, and it's like, Buster, you just got here, man. Arthur's put in the hours. This isn't going to be yours. Like, what are you doing? He and, wants the glory, man. And he's he's like, he's really, he's seized by greed, like it's the third act of an Indiana Jones movie. He just wants the grail all to himself. So they're struggling over the mouse and they knock over the keyboard and mouse and then suddenly the computer kind of fizzes out and this is what causes it to get wrecked. Which is a little strange. They unplug the keyboard and mouse and it makes the computer like shut off Yeah, and it's like a really old computer but also like it does like TV static before it shuts <laughs> yeah. off, which I'm not sure. Maybe we have to we have to approximate that for the non-video, the non-computer people, yeah. because in the 90s there were those people, mm-hmm. and especially for kids too. And of course, like but Arthur and Buster go back and forth a little bit of just like whose fault it is, of just like Buster's like you wrecked it, Arthur's like you knocked the keyboard off the desk, and Buster comes back with because you pushed my arm, and it's like who started this in the first place, Buster? Once again, you don't have a leg to stand on this is entirely your fault. DW is the one that really freaks out, though. Yes. She starts to oh, go down great. this oh, line great. of logic where, like, she just goes to the worst possible conclusion, saying things like, you killed it. Now Mummy will lose her job. Yeah, yeah. And eventually she just keeps going until, like, it, the They'll, situation ends up they're going to live out in the street. And, and did you get the one about Kate? Oh, no, I don't. I she, said Kate, she said Kate will get ammonia. <laughs> I just thought that was. She goes, you better fix it because I like living here. Yeah, she's, this is gr- she's great. Like, she has a r- couple of really good yeah. lines in here. So as they're kind of. Maybe a rich family will adopt me. I'm cute. Yeah, that was the other one. She's And, and the best thing is she reads it in a way of just she's just like in a daze. Like, she's just completely like outside of her own body. Just like, maybe a rich family will adopt me. I'm cute. <laughs> like staring straight ahead. It's great. Their plan is to find the brain because he's the only one who could fix this without having to call Arthur's mom and him getting in trouble. So they go over to Brain's dad who is fixing a car and he suggests a couple places where they could potentially find him, which leads us to a montage to find Brain. While they're looking for Brain, uh, Arthur turns to Buster and he goes, where should we look now? Buster goes, somewhere brainy. Yeah, good one, Buster. Ex- exactly. That's real Real helpful, my dude. Exactly. I wrote down the same thing. And just like, Buster, you you put us here and you have no ideas. You're useless, my man. They check places like the library, which I noted there are at least three people there who look like Brain from the back, just wearing different clothes to really offset the, uh, like, really offset them. The planetarium and the observatory. And finally they find him at the pond where he's just skipping rocks. They take Brain to the the computer and he has these like glasses on them with flashlights for like programmers or something to look into like deep crevices and and he's like you know what the problem is well neither do i and like with the solution that comes with this i can't believe brain didn't figure this out well but i imagine uh, but i but do you think i kind of do we'll save that for the end of the episode but the the eventual solution i was not happy with i see um 
Yes, here is where we get the line that Arthur says. He like yeah, kind of flops, lo- flops to the floor, and what does he say? He's lost all hope. This is like the 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 bottom of the second act, yeah. where where sort of Arthur's at his lowest point, and he goes, "Well, I've always wanted to live in Australia," which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, like I could I could get okay. So DW hypothesizes that if Arthur's mom loses her job because she can't do it because she doesn't have they'll, a computer. They'll end up on the street. They'll end up on the street. Also, I guess Arthur's dad's income is like the lesser of the two. I guess a baker wouldn't make as much as a, um, I think they're just an pan- accountant. I think they're just panicking. Uh, if, unless they were the cake boss. Uh, so uh, DW sort of like going along this line of logic of all the worst case scenarios. Yeah. I don't know how that ends with them moving to Australia. <laughs> Maybe the new family that adopts them is there. I have no idea. Uh, DW, another great line here. Just, we're doomed. All my childhood happiness is behind me. <laughs> So good. She's getting existential. It's yeah. so it's excellent. Buster and Brain bail, and uh, Arthur isn't found out just yet. Uh, and he's but he's kind of acting suspicious of just like I'm. I'm gonna go up and pack, a, do my homework. Well, so this part's a little weird because uh, once once Arthur's mom comes back, yes, Arthur's got an out here. He's got a way to sort of get out of the situation a little bit more scot-free because yes. she says, uh, well, I'm going to go prepare dinner or something. So you can go ahead and you play. You can go ahead and play. What Arthur should have done if he was thinking smart, yeah. puts his little liar cap on, he should have pretended to go ahead and play and then said, oh, I broke the computer then. Because, sure, he broke the computer by accident, but he didn't do it during illegal playtime. Because that's the initial issue, right? They played when their mom told them not to. I'm 26, and I can't believe I never figured that out. That is exactly the thing he should have done. Yeah, he's got an out. But Man. I think the, here's the thing, though, right? We have criminal minds. Arthur's too honest. Arthur's too honest. Arthur Reed would never do such a and thing. And honestly, like, if it were me, I totally would have come to my mom after my friends left and, like, just cried and been like, I, I broke it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'd Like, I totally would have cried. So Arthur's kind of... Pacing around his room, figuring out what to tell her once again, him dealing with his anxiety. And we get the strangest 10-second cut in the episode and maybe in the series so far. It's Pal imagining what Arthur's mom will do if she finds out that he's done whatever he's done. And it's it's just Pal's imagination of (laughs) mom saying... Bad Arthur, bad boy. And scolding him with the newspapers, Arthur's on all fours. She takes him out on a leash into the yard while Arthur's making, like, whiny dog noises and just leaves him outside because that's what Pal understands punishment to be. <laughs> At dinner that night, they're having spaghetti and meatballs. Huge meatballs, by the way. Those are some, like, there's more meat than spaghetti in that thing. I noticed. They're, they're, they look good. And I, I, bet, love, I love a I bet good with, meatball. And I, bet, and I bet with Arthur's dad, they're homemade. Oh, yeah. Ooh, homemade meatballs. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, so, DW, <laughs> another great line here. Just she's angrily whispering. She's, I hope you enjoy your dinner, Arthur. This may be the last meal we ever get to eat because of you. Oh my goodness, this is like one of DW's like best performances. Absolutely, she's got killer line after killer line. Yeah, the last meal we ever eat. <laughs> so then dinner's dinner's over. Arthur barely eats because he's so worried. And then Arthur and then his mom goes to work on the computer. And Arthur is trying to get every excuse possible to get her to not go on the computer before he has to fess up. And there's some great close-ups of Arthur's pure desperation as he's just pulling up an excuse. Like, there's one because he's like, don't you want dessert? How about we go play a game of catch? And there's one where he's just like, Mom! And then the close-up on his eyes, he's just like, 
anything, like anything. He's just like, it's like he's failing an improv scene. He's just <laughs> struggling to bring this back from the brink. He's just like, when was the last time we rode bikes together? And like, his mom reaching. is refusing to yes and. She's just saying no to all of his suggestions. <laughs> She's not yes ending. Finally, Arthur admits that he wrecked the computer and that him and Buster played on it, which led to it uh, uh, getting broken, apparently. And uh, Mom takes a look at it, and then here's the solution. She says, this happens all the time. Did you jiggle the switch? So at that point, I heard in my head Strong Bad going, stop buying computers at thrift stores. Because if you got to <laughs> – listen, I get that it's an old PC. Like it's like some Apple II-looking CRT old PC. Yeah. But if – the, if you gotta like hit it like Fonzie, and that's what fixes your computer, and also you're doing like accounting work on this computer, yeah, yeah. and this is before autosave. This is like the mid '90s, okay? Yeah. If like your career depends on this computer, maybe get a new one. If you gotta jiggle the switch all the time mm-hmm. to fix it, Arthur's mom. Yeah, it's weird, and like I can't, I can't remember if that was like even a type of solution. But it would have been like you said for a really old computer, like yeah, your Atari seventy eight hundred, maybe. My aunt had a Commodore, Ooh. a Commodore computer, and so I would use it to play the Jeopardy game. God, shouts out! What was it? A Commodore sixty four? Was it a later Commodore? God. I don't know. So I'll play emulated Commodore games from time to time. Like, <laughs> I really like those games. Um, you should try the Jeopardy game. That, uh, was, that was fun. Uh, like, The Last Ninja. That game's got, like, my favorite chiptune soundtrack, at least my favorite Commodore soundtrack of all time. The Last Ninja's dope. Now, I mean, maybe I'm getting this wrong. The Commodore was, like, a computer, and it had, like, the orange and black interface, right? Uh... I, I couldn't tell you. I just, like, I know what Commodore 64 games look like. They're very similar okay. to Atari well, 7800. Well, games. it was like a computer. It was yeah. a word processor. Yeah, Commodore, a Commodore is a computer. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, It's like an Amiga. Pretty sh- I'm pretty for, sure it was a Commodore of some... For our friends over the pond, they yeah. would have Amiga. Amiga. Arthur's mom fixes it and then says that he's forbidden to play on the computer for a week, which Arthur thinks is fair. Uh, and then finally, the episode ends with Arthur going to bed as we cut outside the Reed house, and all we hear is mom playing Deep Dark Sea and... She's got she, – it's got her. It's hooked her. She beat one boss, and now she's into the get good mentality of Deep Dark Sea. <laughs> um, the, the real deep, deep Dark Sea starts here. Uh, deep Dark Souls. Yeah. Did, did, did you – did your parents ever get into a video game? They stole one from under you, and they sort of like, all right, Dad, it's my turn. No, my parents did not understand video games at all. Uh, like the one time I ever got my mom to play a video game that I'm aware of – is my sister had an original Game Boy, mm-hmm. so I was so I she had Super Mario Land on it, and so ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, Super Mario Land is good. It's weird, uh, they, they the Koopas turn into bombs instead y- of shells. Yeah, it's really like proto Mario stuff. And so mom, my mom tried to play it once, and like fundamentally didn't get it. And I just like took it away from her. It's like you don't get it. And so we never ever tried video games again. Uh, my dad liked uh, Doom. The original Doom? Yeah, he liked Doom. Uh, he would play it at my uncle's house. The original uh, Doom was one that I played a lot at a computer camp that I was at when I was younger. Sounds like a cool computer camp, man. We weren't supposed to. I but, was going to say. But after a while, they were just like, okay, Doom's pretty much on every computer, so go ahead. Um, and what else it, was great. it was great because Doom was shareware. You could just get it to all the computers. And also the best level of Doom is like 1-1. One, one. Like, yeah, totally. The first level is the best, so... Yeah. So there you go. It's Arthur the Wrecker and quite a little interesting piece of nostalgia. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. 
Did you watch this one? No, I didn't see it. Okay, so this one was about them on computers. There's like a sweet uh, background music in this one. It's like, it's kind of chiptune-y. Okay. And it's like them, I think, using, it's almost like vaporwave, chiptune-y. It like, obviously not to the full extent that vaporwave is right now, but okay. like definitely something that you would hear in a vaporwave remix today. Like I would I, I actually really recommend you go back and watch this, like find yeah. the edition of it with it. It sounds up my alley. You know how... As you could tell, if you've been listening to the episode thus far, I love this old computer talk. Oh, so I'm, oh I love seeing chip kids games. get into these old PCs. I like I, now. I'm just wondering, like, what kind of PC they were? If they were Apple IIs? It was. Uh, I couldn't tell you. They were okay. definitely Apples, but I, I'm not sure. But I, man, I had such a time. I was hoping that you'd seen this, and I almost hope that you go back because mm-hmm. they're using a pro. They're using a program that's basically a game that my school computer had and I don't remember what it's called and it's driving me nuts. So like basically the whole segment is about, you know, them writing letters to Arthur about how he needs to ask his mom to play on the computer and, or Jeeves. Yep. And well, <laughs> that's what that's what they're saying. And so the the program they're using is one where you can draw and you can write in and it was like story illustrator and story writer. Okay. And like the thing that you would remember the most about it when you see it is that the drawing tool that they're using is basically like a version of paint, but it's in this program. And um, when you draw something, it goes like, like it makes a no- Do you know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And the story writer, they didn't use it here, but I know for a fact that you can have it be voiced and like, just like, Hello, my name is Luke Yes Mancini. Yeah. So, and because I remember this because, so in my school, like you expand could, dong, expand dong. <laughs> well, you could save your writing, and so you like I would just open random ones, see what it was, and it was just like the one I remember the most was just some bunch of nonsense. It was just like. I am a stupid computer, the only computer with a graphical operating system. My best friend is Eric Formown from that 70s show. Wow, what a cool self-burn you made that computer do. <laughs> yeah, so, but I'm trying, I can't remember what this game is called, and it was one of the games of my childhood from my from my school computer, and it's driving me nuts. Sort of this that generation's version of 3D Movie Maker. Do you remember 3D Movie Maker? Vaguely. Uh, that was the thing when I was in like grade five, grade six, elementary school. All the computers had free 3D Movie Maker pre-installed, mm-hmm. and it was this really like primitive uh, 3D video editing software where you could like put the camera in a scene with these like polygonal graphics, and you could sort of frame by frame make the things in the scene animate, okay. and it would look terrible. We're, ta- but- we're talking like make my video quality. Uh, uh, no, no, it's better than make my make my video like looks real. Uh, I don't know. It it looks like reboot, but worse. Okay, yeah. <laughs> For you listening, uh, great thing to go back and check out. So, like, th- I was just reminded of this today. Back when YTV was kind of first on the air, they had these like little interstitials that would play in place of commercials, and it was something they got from a video series called The Mind's Eye. And oh, so it would be yeah. these, like, do you remember these? They were, well, you may have been a bit young for them, but. No, they were like VHS tapes filled yeah, with, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah. they were, like, these CGI little shorts, and, one and like, one of them is, uh, anyway, they're called YTV Short Circuits with a Z, or you can look up The Mind's Eye, and it's just, like, these old, and you want to talk about Vaporwave, like, yeah. real, like, the, the clipping on these CGI animations is Unbelievable! So it was like super. Yeah, it's. The, it was it, like basically 
what I imagine mainframe the you know people behind Reboot and Beast Wars are probably doing to figure out their computer programs. Well, they look like graphics card tech demos of that era. Yes. So it's like yeah, absolutely. the magic of um, colored lighting, computer yeah. graphics in yeah. the early 90s. Yeah, it was like a show reel for yeah. what mainframe would have been, but I don't know if it was mainframe or not. Anyway, <laughs> wow, man, I love I love this. I'm almost sad to leave this episode behind because I want to keep Memory ta- lane. I want to keep talking about it, but yeah. So if anybody knows the name of, like if you go back to the episode and you see this and now a word from us kids and you know what this computer program is, please tell me. Email us. Uh, or just let us know somehow. I really want to know. Uh, and also, um, my school computer, I mentioned this in a previous episode, had like a vector game that was like a tank game where it's like you picked the uh, stand. Battle Zone. I don't know if it was Battle Zone. I feel like I would remember the name. But anyway, you, it may be. I'll have to look it up. But if you know what game I'm talking about, vector game with tanks, you pick like one of three, first person style, please let me know. Sounds like Battle Zone. It could be Battle Zone. In fact, I'll, <laughs> like I'll look it up and let you know. My my other note about this is that uh, I think these kids must be in like a Boston elementary because there's a lot of like, like you have to go and find the program in the computer and it's just like they're they're real they're real thick child accents and That's it's cool. it's it's cute. So our next episode is Arthur and the True Francine. Now, this is one that I think Lucas has been waiting for, not specifically, but in general, uh, towards a certain character. I wanted to know more about Muffy, because thus far, Marf- Muffy's been kind of a Marf- character. Marf- Marfie. Uh, <laughs> where's Royfy? T- anyway. Um, When's Brawl? M- Muffy has been kind of a caricature up to this point. Yes. Like, yeah. she's had very little depth. She's sort of just been like, oh, I'm rich. I'm terrible. Right. Uh, so I was looking forward, once I realized this episode was about Muffy, I was looking forward to learn a little bit more about her. Mm-hmm. But it kind of just keeps the opinion negative. Right. The episode starts off with a cold open. Francine is trying to get into Arthur's room. She's sort of going on a panty raid. Yeah, pretty much. Like, they're both in their pajamas. And so she manages to sneak into Arthur's room via his window, climbing up a tree and stealing his socks. She seems very uh, grossed out at his bionic bunny underwear. Like, the okay, so the weird thing is, a couple, couple things about this. First off, like, it begins with Francine up a tree. She accidentally falls. Then Arthur immediately looks out the window. How does he not see her? Like, how didn't he see her? He's looking directly down where she fell. Maybe he needs to get his prescription checked. Maybe. And, like, he eventually goes to get Pal, who is outside, brings him back in. And, again, Pal's just, like, barking at Francine. And I'm like, how are you not seeing this? This is so weird. The other thing is, like, so is this at night or in the morning? Cause it, it looks like it's in the morning. Well, the thing is, is that Francine goes back to her apartment, which, you know, is part of them playing Truth or Dare. Was yeah. that somebody dared... Francine to go steal Arthur's socks, which is like, A, he's blocks away. B, it's like the middle of the day or whatever. And so the other thing is, like, she gets back there and somebody's unrolling their sleeping bag. So it's like, we haven't even started? Maybe it was at dusk. So, like, Francine went to go steal the socks at sunset, and by the time she got back, it was nighttime. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Anyway, just kind of weird me out. Um, And we get the first speaking role of Fern. I was going to say, it's like Fern's uh, speaking introduction. Yeah, so I don't know if she's named yet, but it's like we have Francine Muffy, Sue Ellen, and Fern. And Sue Ellen doesn't say anything, but I feel like she's maybe said a thing or two here and there. Yes. She is, she's going to have her own episode before long, and this is the first time that Fern's ever spoken. But we don't really get a hint at her character. And if there's one thing I'm excited to talk about 
later on in the seasons, it's Fern's character. We get to Muffy playing Truth or Dare, and somebody says Truth, and it's such a softball. Like, have you ever told a lie? And then Muffy vehemently denies it. Like, what kind of a question is that? And just like, that wouldn't happen in a million years, not in 10 million years. And Francine immediately calls her out and says, do you remember what happened when you came to our school back in second grade, which sets up the whole episode? Which is interesting because the question is framed by Francine, so it's all from kind of Francine's memory. And then I would let me to wonder why is this Arthur and the true Francine? Oh, weird! Like, why is it an Arthur and episode? Like, Arthur doesn't really play into it hardly at all. I, I didn't even. Think I know about that, that there there is a there, I I looked it up on Google. There is a. Uh, there's a ch- one of the children's book is called Arthur and the True Francine, but like, it's not like we had to stay true. Maybe to the this. perspective in the book is different, but yeah, Maybe, you're right. They wouldn't but, have to. I what I, I liked this cold open a lot because we've had so many in a row of just Arthur kind of yeah, Ferris, Ferris Bueller-ing. Yeah, and so it was. It's interesting to have like a fresh one where it's like, oh, like mm. Francine's committing breaking and entering right <laughs> yeah. now. What's going on here? Right. So this is the not the first. But it's kind of the introduction because uh, it's established that they're in second grade at this point, and their teacher is Mr. Marco. So this is you know in previous episodes we had Mr. Marco and you and you kind of weren't sure who he was, and this is him. He's kind of like wearing like the blue uh, blazer, the turquoise blazer, and he's got kind of a bit of a mustache going on. Kind of looks like a mid middle age kind of. Uh, hipster kind of guy, <laughs> a little bit. I, I'm not sure if I got that read from or, him, but he does have the mustache. Yeah, for it. Uh, just seems like a kind of an interesting guy. Uh, so, Muffy is. This is Muffy's first day with the class. She's been with them since second grade. So she kind of comes in in very interesting fashion that she's wearing, and I couldn't decide what to call it. It's like sailor chic, maybe nautical. You'd call it. Yeah, it's it's almost like a faux sailor scout it, outfit. It, it kind of looks like a Donald Duck outfit, but with pants. <laughs> or Donald Duck. I was trying to be a little bit more flattering, saying she's dressed as Sailor Venus, but I guess mm, she could be not Donald enough, Duck. Not enough, not enough orange for Sailor Venus, my man. That's tr- oh, wrong one. I'm sorry. Um, it's uh, Mercury because yes. it's more blue colored. Uh, so Muffy comes prepared of just like, you know, would you like to tell us a few things about the shelf? She comes prepared with a biopic of the crosswires that she narrates herself, which is just kind of it's kind of funny. Like it starts off with her great grandfather, like crawling to the shores of Elwood City or whatever. And so I just want to get this out of the way because I know that this is like one of the easiest things to say to generate conversation in 2016. But like there were several points throughout this episode of it was just like. Man, the crosswires are just the Trumps. <laughs> like, it's so, like, this fluffed up biopic of them. Muffy's, like, up and down denial that she's ever lied, which is itself <laughs> wrong. A li- which is itself a wrong. lie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, which is itself a lie. Like, the very fact that, like, d- Mr. Crosswire looks like Donald Trump, <laughs> like, he looks like he was based on him. I wouldn't be surprised. It is. It is kind of a trope, though. It, it's it, you could interpret it as the Trumps. That, that probably what it was during the '90s. That would have been, I think, what they were working from. Yeah. But it is kind of like a Richie Rich sort of thing. Sure, absolutely. So her the biopic takes them to like past two or three o'clock, like several hours, and then is not even done because Muffy wants to talk about when she was born. 
By the way, I hate to interrupt you there. Yeah, what's this, up? But I just want to double check. Is it biopic or biopic? I think you can go either way. Oh, I think okay. you can go either way. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, kind of thing. Uh, I used to say biopic a lot, and you, I, I, I don't really care at this point. So okay. Please. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to correct you or anything. I was no, no, no. I, I, I've been saying I understand. I'm just anticipating emails about that. So please. Gif or jif. Please don't. Uh, so... Francine kind of takes the job of showing her around, and Buster and Brain are immediately kind of standoffish to her because, well, maybe didn't make the best first impression. Francine's teaching her how to play kickball because that's one of the things that they do a lot of. One of Buffy's catchphrases in this episode was, at my old school, which is really like a, she's really like Phoebe from the Magic School Bus in that way, except Phoebe kind of owned that catchphrase, and Muffy's kind of co-opting it for this episode, just kind of saying like how different things were at her old school, and it's through this kind of conversation she and Buster have a bit of words and then yeah Buster's like not having it yeah Buster's uh, like a little too antagonistic (laughs) from the jump Uh, he's like he's like this isn't word for word what he said but he's like look you're not at your old school you're not your old school smarty pants you're at plain old Lakewood Elementary (laughs) Uh, yeah so they start off very standoffish towards each other and then we find out that Muffy's full name is Mary Alice Crosswire so Muffy's kind of a nickname and I never thought about that, that Muffy is short for Mary Alice. Well, it's not really. I think it's just kind of like a, a I think that's an established rich person trope of just like, oh, Muffy kind of thing. Oh. And I feel like that might be a callback to Gilligan's Island. Don't at me on that. And Muffy is also just kind of like a, really, it's just a rich person's name. They find out that Muffy and Francine have the same middle names, and then they immediately become best friends. Which like is Batman versus Superman. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Ma- Muffy, Francine, Martha, Frensky. Which seems a little unrealistic, but back then you could totally just be like, you're my friend now when you're when you're that age. So it oh yeah. It makes sense. I've my best friend of like ten years, we met in the second grade and we were like, Do you like Sonic the Hedgehog? <laughs> I like Sonic the Hedgehog. Let's be friends. To be fair, that is how I met like Two of my oldest friends to date, like I met them in grade 10, and they were talking about Star Fox 64, and I kind of sat next to them and was like, you guys talking about Star Fox? (laughs) And we're best friends. Hey, you guys, uh, Andros's enemy is my enemy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's what we would do. We would just quote it back to each other. Cocky little freaks. (laughs) Don't don't get me started. Don't get me – don't even get me started. I've been waiting for you, Star Fox. You know that I control the galaxy. Muffy takes Francine over to her place, which is obviously like a rich mansion. She's got a bunch of stuff. Shows her a bracelet, and I... I I wrote this down, too. Okay. I swear to God, this is what she says. This is so funny, because, like, I just want to set it up, because it's like... Usually when, like, a character makes an obvious joke like this, like, the writers are like, okay, here's a joke. It's framed in a way where the emphasis is put on the punchline. But this is one of those things where if you're not paying attention, you might miss this. Yeah, so (laughs) it's this beautiful, like, yellow and orange, like, heart friendship bracelet sort of thing. Looks like a Pandora, like, charm bracelet. Sure. And Muffy just says, see this bracelet? I got it from a cannibal in South Africa. And I was like... That's not what she said. And I rewound it at least twice to be like, and there's nothing else that she could be saying there. It's kind of a weird pronunciation, but I think she said cannibal. (laughs) I think she got this from a cannibal. Well, she didn't actually, though, because she's obviously lying. Because she says, "This this bracelet is one of a kind. Right. And then she says... I have another just like it. <laughs> I didn't even catch that. So that's what I wrote down as the thing. If you're not paying attention, you'll miss. 
the, this sort sort of <laughs> sows the seeds for the rest of the episode. If you're paying attention at this point, you could be like, "Yo, wait a minute." Muffy's like straight up lying here. I totally missed that. That's really funny. Just kind of like a, it's like uh, he's at the front gate. He'll be here in half an hour, kind of thing. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's that's actually that's actually pretty good. So Muffy, like you said, not to, not to say that rich girls necessarily do this, but she's doing rich girl stuff while they're kind of like she's playing around in the pool and she's like telling tall tales. She's being like, you know doesn't want to study for their math test that they've got coming up. Francine's like, do you know this math? And she's like, at my old school, I taught math. And I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> and, you know, just kind of flaunting her wealth a lot. Like, she and Francine go out for wheelies in the limo. Yeah, the the limo's got hydraulics in it like it's a well, Lolo it's, from the Still Dre video. Well, it's almost got, like, a spine to it because it bends. It's like, um, what are they called? Wacky cars? Cra- crazy cars? Silly, silly cars. I don't, I don't know. There's an official name for like cars that do that. It's it, and it's stupid. It's like wacky cars or something. Right. That's hey, if you know what game Will was talking about, right in. If you know if I'm crazy cars, there's a Wikipedia article for them. I'm okay. gonna look it up right after this episode. Gotcha. So finally, Muffy's able to win over Buster in kind of just a short little <laughs> clip because they're like in part. they're in the library. And Buster's still very standoffish, but he immediately cools when Muffy says, the librarian says we can watch videos if we're quiet, and my chauffeur is bringing us popcorn, and Buster's all in. Like, he doesn't want to do any more of the studying business. He wants movies and popcorn. Buster, you're, you're, you're a screw-up, but you're my kind of screw-up. <laughs> for you know, sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, n- none of us want to study for math, and... So Muffy, of course, says she knows this stuff backwards and forwards. The next day is the math test, and Buster's woefully unprepared. He's just like questioning himself on what two plus two is. Now, I, <laughs> now I know that you know one. Of the- he, he hides his head in shame. It's either in shame or in fear. absolute fear. It's yeah. total fear. He's just like, oh no. <laughs> so I mean, I th- you know one of the jokes that we've done in this podcast, and of course you can drink when we do it, is that you know Lucas, you're not the best with mental math, but. You know basic math. I know two plus two. We get into the times tables. I'm going to start to have okay, a little okay, bit but, of trouble. But, okay, but like looking at these questions, it's like 11 plus seven. You know what that is, obviously. Yeah, it's 18. Yeah. Yay! So like remember not knowing basic math? Do um, you, Do you remember when that was like hard? I, I mean, I, I think it's easier for me to remember that it was hard because like I mean, just yeah. one level – like. One level removed from that, I start to have a little bit of trouble. You want to ask me what, like, seven times eight is? I'm going to have to think it for a while right. to work that one out. But, but I mean, maybe not even math, but th- th- this is just kind of what – or, like, something you know completely without ha- having to think about it. Like, do you remember what it was like not knowing that? Because I was looking at these math tests and just, like, I can't believe I was at that point. Like, when it was, like, what is 11 plus 7? And I had to be, like, okay, 11 plus 7 – Seven plus one is eight, and then you don't add one with anything. And it's like, remember when that didn't come to your mind just like that? I don't know, man. I still like maybe this is this is a very specific no, but, to me oh, problem. No, but I'm not talking about math though. I'm talking about like just anything, in general, like just anything. Not that comes knowing natu- how to spell. Like what? Com- yeah. Like what comes naturally to you? Oh, I'm, I don't know. Like uh, I guess like 
and I and I know it's not easy to think of because obviously it's yeah. Just, I, you, I, you do it without thinking. I understand the phenomena you're describing. It's weird to imagine your brain at the point where like these things seem so difficult. Like remember, uh, but I, I can remember the math one more fondly because what you just said about like okay, so the one doesn't go at everything. Like that's how I still think about okay. that stuff to this day. It's not memorization. It's like I have to work it out every but, time. Okay, but let me put it to you this way: um, Do you? So when you you're a fan of the UFC, when For you sure. watch when you watch UFC and a fight's over, are you able to put together your own Score. Oh, the the ten point must system. Yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. So, do you remember not knowing that? Yes. Okay, that's a very good example. Okay. I, and this was pretty recently, like a year and a half ago. I remember, like, okay, what do they mean when they mean twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty seven? Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's one of those things where. Okay, here's another one, like another language, right? Yes. Like it's one of those things where it's easy when you know how. So if you're if you don't have the basically the fluency in it. It seems impossible, but then once you do, you can't imagine not knowing it. Yeah, yeah. Like we were both, we were both at that point. We didn't know the words that we know right now. And it, like anyway, we could spiral down on this. We're getting I, a little existential. Well, here. I, I just, I just thought it was interesting looking back, and it was almost like a snapshot. Like I could, re- I can remember what my what my grade one math book looked like. I remember those types of problems. It was just like I don't, rem- I remember not being able to think mm. of what twelve plus four was in my head. And it's just like how it was just kind of a thing of like, man, how far we've come, like how how far we've come, whether it's math or whatever it is. It's just like how far we've all come. Like, think about that. You yourself, you listening right now, like what is it that comes absolutely naturally to you that just didn't at one point? I mean, nothing comes naturally to us first. You have to work at it. Well, a a huge percentage of the world's population still doesn't know how to read. Like, people forget that, but, like, illiteracy is still, like, a huge problem. Like, you know what I mean? So uh, it's important not to take knowledge for granted. Absolutely. Anyway, at the end of the math test, uh, Mr. Marco notices that Francine and Muffy's uh, tests look exactly the same. Now, when I was a kid, this confused me because for all – for I took it at complete face value. Like, I thought he was looking at the answers back-to-back and – it was just like these are exactly the same, and I'm like, well, yeah, maybe they both got it right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought that he looked at Francine and Muffy's papers and was just like, you both got the same answers, and I'm like, well, yeah, because what if they were just both right? How do you know one of them's cheating? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, but I think like I, that's a pretty common like implication in but, school. But the thing that he notices, and I didn't see this until I watched it just this week, was that they have the same way of working out the answers. Like, oh. Muffy has the same, like, there are some numbers crossed out and stuff like that. Muffy okay. has the same numbers crossed out. So it's obvious that one of them just wholesale cheated off the other. So that, that's how that, he could That tell. adds to the evidence. Though I still think that, like, if two people were sitting next to each other and they hand in the exact same math test, like, in high school, I think that would be a problem. That would raise suspicion. Yeah. I, I've seen that happen yes, before but, Yes, but me. this is elementary. This is basic math. There's only one answer it could be. Um, did you ever get blamed in, like, so... Right now, what happens is that Mr. Marco sort of, because he doesn't really know Muffy as well, he kind of assumes that Francine is the perpetrator. Yeah. So have you ever experienced that in school where, like, you sort of got the bad rap, even though it was the person who was so-called perfect who did the crime? I mean, maybe, but I think really I was the person who was so-called perfect, and I, I can more easily imagine someone getting blamed for something I did. 
Happened so. to my dad when he was in high school. Oh, yeah? Uh, he was kind of a bad egg. He would always skip school to play hockey. Ooh. And when the truancy police were trying to get after them. The truancy they... police. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. So when the truancy cops were trying to get you to go back to school, oh, they would man. switch lakes. They would rotate these three lakes so they didn't get caught. That's yeah. just So that, get, that sets up like what kind of guy my dad was in high school. But one time, his buddy, who was like the good kid, yes. he was like had really good grades. All the teachers loved him. His buddy flooded the bathroom. He turned on all the sinks. And just let wet him bandit run. style, wet bandit style, and dad got blamed. And oh. to this day, dad took the whole rat. Like the other guy didn't get in trouble at all. Dad was like, he did it. It wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. But dad caught the whole charge. Wow, <laughs> ruthless. My goodness. Francine indeed does get blamed for cheating, and everybody's kind of shocked about this at the Sugar Bowl talking about it. Like, Fern has a weird line of just like Francine cheating. It doesn't seem possible, and I'm like, listen. None of you are clean. <laughs> None of you are perfect. None they've of you all, are perfect. They, they've all gotten their hands I dirty. can believe it, but it didn't happen. We know that. And to which Buster says, Francine cheats off me all the time. This part's great. Yeah, and Fern's like, then how come she gets better grades than you? And Buster says, that's what I'd like to know. The one time in Science 10, I did copy off this guy on a lab, and I got a better mark than him. So nice. I don't know what's going on with that. Oh, I definitely. <laughs> that's some, that's some, some teacher bias right there. Look, spoiler alert, I definitely cheated off some kids, especially when it came to math. Oh, brother. Like, and it didn't even do me any good. Like, I did the kind of muffy cheating where I put the exact same thing that they wrote, and I didn't understand it. And they were just like, what do you mean by this? And I'm like, I don't know. So I did the lab the exact same word for word, and I got a 78 and he got a 62. So I think what happened was Mr. Jamison liked me more because I let him play um, Fruit Ninja on my phone when he confiscated it from me because I leave my phone unlocked. So yes. Mr. Jamison was like, ooh, Fruit Ninja. So like, I think I scored a few brownie points there on my <laughs> Mr. science Ted lab. Mr. Mr. Jamison was like, Mancini, more pictures. How do I play Fruit Ninja? <laughs> yeah, so I definitely have cheated before. Kids and people who are in an academic setting, please don't cheat. Try not to cheat. I know that uh, life is not – life is something that will afford the cheaters to prosper, but try your best not to cheat. It's better that way if you don't. Like you, you kind of hinted towards this, Lucas, and I think we'll talk about it more when we get to the wrap-ups of the episode. But this episode paints a terrible picture of Muffy because she kind of – because Francine obviously is not talking to her because – well, obviously, because Muffy cheated and let Francine get the blame for it. And Muffy's kind of – they're doing the dr- the the drive and talk. Like Muffy's in the back of her limo. and, and Aaron Arthur by way of Aaron Sorkin. I was going to say the Aaron Sorkin drive and talk, but, you know, I didn't want to go back to that. Well, I use that a lot, the Aaron Sorkin walk and talk. Um, Muffy is just like, I didn't mean to get you in trouble, but I couldn't let people think that I was a cheater. I'm a crosswire. And I'm like, that's not an excuse. <laughs> like going back to last episode, Buster's new friend of just like, Mike's my friend too. And like, I'm a crosswire. And just like, that's not an excuse. And that's not an apology. Like, that's just terrible. And she Muff- Muffy. She soil Mu- her family name. Like, Muffy know. really doesn't seem to grasp what she's done here. And Francine gives her back the friendship ra- bracelet that he gave. That- Muffy gave her and she also like throws out a gift basket and a balloon that Muffy gives her and like complimentary fruit to say to say she's sorry which is like all right so Francine is going to be in detention for the rest of the week and into next week which is going to affect the kids baseball game with Mighty Mountain 
So earlier when I said uh, Arthur was sort of wielding a bat like he was in the Baseball Furies, ah. I was incorrect because the true Baseball Furies of this episode are Mighty Mountain. Mighty Mountain are apparently incredibly good, and they need Francine. If not to pull the weight of the team, then at least as some kind of Captain America-type field leader. <laughs> like, she needs they, – they're lost without her in, sport, in sports, just as we kind of said – in a much earlier episode. In fact, the first episode, I think, was where it was like Francine is really the one they need for sports because Buster and Arthur are kind of clueless. I also think they're, might- they're not good leaders. They need to be led. I also think Mighty Mountain might be Juice and Barry Bonds style. Well, like- dude, we'll get to it in a second. <laughs> These kids are so old. It's true. And Muffy kind of offers her, uh, like she says, she's won multiple blue ribbons for, it's, excuse me, it's softball they're playing. And she even won the national softball kickoff. And they're just, like, not sure about it, but they have no choice but to trust her because Francine's in detention and Mr. Marco won't let her play. Uh, So Francine is in this super small detention room in what looks to be the basement. Like, like, there's just a small window. There's, like, enough room for one row of desks, and it's, like, super sad. It's like the room where the nerds hang out in the show Recess. Totally, totally, Uh, just under the school. Yeah, so the Mighty Mountain kids get off their bus. One of them just hits a pop fly and sends it into orbit, (laughs) and it hits an alien. What? Uh, The early 2000s San Francisco Giants have come to play these elementary school kids. Man, they are they're 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 like the monsters of baseball. <laughs> like if Space Jam was that's, was worse somehow. That, that whoa, I was gonna say that's an apt description, but Space Jam's a fine film. I don't trust your use of the word fine anymore. Uh, anyway, let's not get into that right Can't now. Can't wait for Space Jam two starring LeBron. But, Can't wait. Counting down the days. Now I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I can't wait for that either. <laughs> I want to see what it looks like in 2017, 20XX. So it's kind of implied as Muffy begins that her school really coddled her. Like whatever school she came from, either way, she could have been lying about like, you know, I taught I taught math at my school. This is how we played at our old school, that kind of stuff. So she could be lying for all we know and she doesn't know anything. Or it's that she went to this completely rich girl school, rich rich kid school that totally coddled her because she's like holding the bat wrong and it's like this is how we played it up at my old school i think it's a little bit of column a and a column b i think that uh, muffy's certainly telling tall tales but i also think that like muffy's lived a sheltered life you know what i mean her perspective of everything is skewed by being so rich it reminds me of this article i read today about ivanka trump talking about her growing up okay and she talked about how when she was a kid her and her brother wanted to start a lemonade stand uh but they weren't allowed to set one up at trump tower because they were living at trump tower at the time and so eventually she was able to get their bodyguards and all the maids and stuff to, like, buy lemonade from them instead. Oh, and she was like, so that was her solution to the problem. She still kind of lacks a little that's, bit of foresight yeah, when telling that, that story. But that's um, not the same thing. that makes me think of Muffy. You know, Muffy sort of doesn't really understand how the rest of the world works. I find that yeah. she doesn't – it's not so much that she's looking down at the other kids, even though it comes off that way. She's, but she's, she's trouble relating she, to them. She's young. Like, she, that's all she knows. Yeah. So you can, you can blame her for a few things and by all means feel free but at some point you have to realize that she's coming from just an entirely different perspective um 
I, I must note here that the guy that they have playing catcher for Mighty Mountain has a high-pitched voice that yeah. I don't know if I found it funny, but I just kind of wanted to note it here. Just like, strike one, <laughs> strike two. And like, yeah. so that guy is juicing so bad. <laughs> he is, he's got like the Mike Tyson voice going on. Uh, it's like so, Mario Party when Toad was announcing. I'm the best. I, I, or, or, uh, or, got item. <laughs> right, right. Meese! Mar- Mar- or like Mario Mario Party. Baseball, yeah. Mario Party, yeah. Did you say, oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said Mario Kart, so I was thinking Mario Kart. Yeah. But you meant Party. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, because Mario Party, it was Meese. like... Meese! Yeah. <laughs> All gay! <laughs> Finally, Muffy come, uh, goes to Mr. Marco, tells him the truth about who cheated, and so Muffy's taking the place of Francie in detention and gives her the softball bat and uh, the friendship bracelet. And, uh, you know, so you can, like I said, you can say a few things about Muffy and they would be true, but at least in the end, she kind of, she kind of owned up to it. So in the 11th hour, yes, but at least it did happen. So Francine, the Goldberg of Lakewood Elementary comes onto the field and everybody is just dumping in their pants. They're like, it's Francine. Oh my God. (laughs) We are like, we're boned. And like Francine immediately, like they see an up an uptick. Like at the end, Francie says they didn't win, but she scored two runs. So like they needed her as that motivator. The authorized version of the Jose Bautista bat flip. Right. A very important moment for us Canadians in Canadian baseball. For sure. So at the end of the episode, Muffy and Francine kind of make up or the kids are agreeing that Muffy will get to be scorekeeper. So not in an active role on the team, but she gets to be scorekeeper as long as she learns how to add. And and, we no, get, and no cheating. And we get a nice little moment there because, like, Muffy's, like, really excited about that. She yeah. just That's the thing that sort of – because I thought, like – and we'll get into this when we're talking about the episode overall. But one of my problems with it was that, like, Muffy was, like, too negative, I think. Mm. Even though this is her introduction, I was hoping for her to be redeemed a little bit more. Sure. But I liked this moment where it's like, yeah. okay, like, Muffy just wants to be included. Yeah, it's very cute, very cutely animated. And, of course, as kids, that's, that's all they really want. And I agree. I, I kind of overlooked that a little bit, but I think you're absolutely right right um and i just found that it was interesting like they get it to be scorekeeper but in later episodes when they have you know the same uh kind of peach uniforms like the base the baseball softball uniforms like she does have an active role in the team so eventually they must have taught her how to play and she mm. must have been willing to to play so at some point i guess that never materialized okay so now we're gonna wrap up the episode let's first talk about arthur the wrecker uh, Lucas, what did you think? I think we're a little bit biased when it comes to this one, just yeah. purely uh, based on subject matter alone. Abso- absolutely. But I also think that, like, it's an interesting lesson. Like, it's very time and place with me, but, like, I've experienced this exact scenario where I thought I broke my parents' computer or, or something like that. I'm kind of a clumsy guy. So I've sort of harbored these exact same anxieties as Arthur of, like, right before your parents get home, you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to tell them that I did this thing that I wasn't supposed to. Yeah. I'm so worried about it. i got to come clean. Um, I've really lived this episode, but I think it did it in a really funny and concise way. Like, you could tell the writers were having a ton of fun with – DW freaking out. Yes. Uh, but I also, they did a good job with the video game. I thought it was a fun Arthur episode. I agree. Uh, I also think that it's fun. I don't know if I really, well, of course, there's only so much I can get from a lesson. Uh, I did relate to it probably in a different way. I mean, in the previous episode, we talked about Arthur's kind of anxiety and my own struggles with that. And I've definitely been in that situation as a kid and as an adult. And I related to it in that way. And I just, you know what, after the kind of, 
I, f- I feel like the last few episodes we've been like, eh, this one's okay, or this one's, I don't really like this episode. Like, I did like this episode. It was it was a ton of fun. It was, it was just good to have a fun one once in a while. Okay, so the second episode, I'll, I'll go first on this one because I feel like you have a bit more to say because you've been waiting for this for a while, like the episode that kind of fleshes out Muffy a little bit. Um, I think in the end, it didn't do much for me. I think talking about it, there's a bit more to it. Like, it's not a bad episode or anything, but I do think it's not a great introduction for Muffy. I think you made a great point of that her character doesn't get redeemed enough at the end to really kind of equal out what happened to her. And especially, and I guess seeing this in 2016 and again making the parallel to the Trumps, <laughs> it, just, it just all tastes a little extra sour of like this person who seems, this character who is set up to be like basically a compulsive liar, which I don't think is anything that really, I don't know if that really sticks with Buffy's character. I don't ever think of her as being this compulsive liar. And those types of characters, those types of people who compulsively lie, like real, I I don't like that quality in people, and it didn't endear me to Muffy at all. And I thought the episode was a little bit uneven in that I felt Muffy did quite a bad thing, and she did own up to it at the end, so I give them props for that, but she was accepted back really quickly. So I felt it was a little uneven and didn't do a whole lot for me. But, uh, you know, there's a couple of good lines in there, and it was interesting to see them from the second-grade perspective. Yeah, I think it was an entertaining episode, and I like the moral of it. But I think it's the the issue I had with it was that like waiting for them to kind of redeem the character of Muffy because she's been so one note. Uh, the problem with this episode is that like you're not really sure if Muffy's just like lying compulsively just because she's a jerk, or if it's because she doesn't have this perspective. She doesn't really. Uh, like the way I'd like the, this is how I kind of headcanon it to make her seem more likable is that Muffy is trying to fit in with the kids, but she doesn't know how to relate to them. So yeah. she kind of tells all we, these... She kind of tells them what she thinks they want they, they want to hear. hear. Uh, and that makes her seem a little bit more likable than she's just, like, this awful rich and, person. And which totally makes sense. And granted, yeah. like, what I was kind of saying there is the skin-deep way to approach it. So if you do want to look a little deeper, I th- I, I, I think that you're in, on, well, the, on I, the right track. Well, I sort of agree me. with you in that I wish the writers would have said that more. I wish that was yeah. sign of more... I, I wish that was more obvious within the actual episode and we didn't have to look Be, at, at because it. to me as a kid it wasn't obvious and exactly. like, even as you said there were some there were some subtle lines in here that I didn't even get and I'm 26 <laughs> granted you know I'm not the I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer but you know I shouldn't be missing things in a kids show you would think so yeah I feel like you're right they could have made that a bit more obvious so a little bit of a mixed bag once again uh, but altogether uh, to relatively enjoyable episodes and of course your mileage may vary on those ones so there you go that's our episode for today and of course if you have anything that you would like to say we would love to hear from you uh let's talk about the ways that you can interact with us really quickly uh facebook.com slash elwood city limits that's where we post uh of course fun arthur screen caps and updates on the week's episode and uh, every once in a while find something in a value village that uh is ends up being pretty interesting. You can also follow us on Twitter at ECL Podcast, putting those Arthur screen caps in there, retweeting stuff, retweeting them Arthur memes. And of course, you can email us. We'd love to hear from you because we we will read your email on the show if if you let us. We don't have to because you can send us anything. You can send us uh, comments and critiques about the episode of Arthur or the episode of Elwood City Limits you just listened to. 
You can ask us questions. You can answer questions that we have. And please, when it comes to the computer program at the middle of this episode, when it comes to uh, uh, crazy cars or whatever it was, please let us know. Funny cars. They're called funny cars. Funny cars. Okay. Well, then you can hey, put down your email. Like we we <laughs> solved that one. But if you if you know what vector game I was talking about, which might be what, what, what Battle Zone. I think it's Battle Zone. Battle Zone. Okay. Well, if you know the computer program I was talking about earlier, please let us know. And of course, anything else from our back catalog. Finally, you can listen to us over at SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits. If, if, uh, if iTunes isn't your thing, then you can download it from there. And uh, please leave a comment or like us or follow us, of course, to get the latest there. Or you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you please, if you like this podcast, please leave a favorable, favorable star rating and review. It helps us with the whole algorithm, as Lucas says. All right, Lucas, that's about it. Uh, now, next week, we've got, uh, I've got the episodes. I remember this time. So next week, it's going to be a little bit more of a snapshot of Arthur's family because it's going to be Arthur's family vacation Ooh. and Grandpa Dave's old country farm. Oh, another new character. Absolutely. We'll get to see a bit more of Grandpa Dave. What do you got to say? You said you had blue ribbons. <laughs> for Lucas Mancini, my name is Will Young. Thanks for listening to Elwood City Limits. Stay in touch, and we'll see you next time.